Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Hey, in the year um, 2 BC, uh, my wife and I, um, we had an incident in bed. Now, by BC, I mean before Cocker Spaniel. Okay, just so you know, life changes when you get a dog. And uh, before Cocker Spaniel basically means there was no one else to blame for strange noises and, you know, odd smells and those kind of things. Uh, Every day since we've had a Cocker Spaniel, I have been woken up early in the morning with a lick on the cheek and a cold nose. Having said that, that did happen before just with Sarah, but there you go. That's one one of those things. Uh, Anyway... So before we had a Cocker Spaniel, one of the things Sarah and I liked to do was go out of an evening and just have uh, coffee and cake, a dessert and coffee. Anyone else like that kind of thing? Oh, oh, brilliant, fantastic. You don't go out for a full meal, you know, you don't feel like that, but you just go out for a, a dessert and uh, a coffee. And now and again, I treat myself to what's called an Irish coffee. Okay, if you know what it is, that's fine. For those of you that it's not proper drinking. All right, it's just like, it's not proper drinking. It's just got a little bit of of whiskey in your coffee, okay? Just just settles you down before bedtime. Anyone with me? You dare admit it. Okay, great, that's fantastic. So we we went out for that nice creamy Irish coffee and we had a lovely evening, dessert. We may have had two desserts. We we chilled the night away, chatted the night away and then sort of you you go into bed. I'd I'd been laid there about half an hour, an hour. And... uh, I couldn't believe it. There's this awful smell in the room. I don't know what had happened. Remember, it was before Cocker Spaniel. Okay, an awful smell in the room. And um, I start fidgeting and, and sniffing. And Sarah says, what, what's going on? I said, there's a smell. A smell in the room. Can't you smell it? She says, I can't smell it. Go back to sleep. Because that's how she treats me. <laughs> so I tried. I tried my best. And after, after a few minutes, it got worse. This smell got worse Uh, and so I was sat up and I I started sniffing the bed sheets and I I haven't started the story and 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 it was it was on the bed sheets I said to Sarah I said it's the bed sheets so she woke from a slumber she had a sniff she said it's not the bed sheets there's nothing go go to sleep so I, I tried to go to sleep again but I couldn't I mean it was really getting to me I turned the light on sat up turned the light on I was sniffing the air. I said, it's everywhere. Can't you smell it? I started sniffing my wife. It's, I said, it's all over you. It's all over you, she said. Anyway, she, she woke up. She looked at me. She said, it's you. Your mustache is like concrete. It's congealed cream. The moral of that story is, is we all stink. Even though we like to blame other things. No, you see, the, the smell, the smell of cream... Had a, it had an essence to it. And this series that I'm about to go into is called Essence. Everything has an essence. Um, a culture, a flavor, a je ne sais quoi, just something. And church has an essence too. Not all churches are the same. And so it would be easy in this series where I'm talking about essence and new life flavors. It would be easy for me to pick on things like doctrine and and talk about the doctrines that we have here at New Life and how they're similar or unsimilar to other churches and talk about 
um, the makeup of the people in new life. We could do that. We could talk about culture and flavor. I've, I've decided to talk about the kind of thing that often doesn't get talked about in church, but nevertheless gives a church a flavor. When you join a church, not necessarily this one, there's more to it than just the people and just the doctrines and just what they get up to. There is a, there's a smell about it. There's a, a taste about it. There's an essence. You know, the early followers of Jesus, they had an essence. There's a little bit in the, the book of Acts where it says the people around in the day, in the society, they knew that these people had been with Jesus. I love that phrase. It means they had a, they had a smell, they had a flavor, they had a, an essence of Jesus-iness. And we, too, at New Life, have an essence. And the idea of this series is this. It's complementing our first steps course. Let me give it a third plug this morning. If you've joined New Life in the last couple of years, you've not been through first steps, please come to first steps. It gives you a great groundwork, a, 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 lets you know what new life is about and why we are about what we're about. Come to those things, sign up online. Before I uh, start talking to you, let's, let's just read some scripture, shall we? We're going to turn to a famous passage of scripture. I've got it just on three screens. You'll be able to see the words there. Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a section, section in Hebrews 11, which is headed in your Bibles, Heroes of the Faith. What's it headed? Heroes of the Faith. I'm just going to read some verses here. This is what it was said. The writer of Hebrews, we are not sure who the writer of Hebrews is. Okay, so here we go. They wrote this when they were writing to these Jewish believers. It would take too long to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. By faith, these people received what God had promised them. Isn't that great? Heroes of the faith. And then the writer goes on. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Some were jeered at and whipped. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning and some were sawn in half. Others were killed by the sword. I thought I'd read you a feel-good uh, passage this morning. We don't often read this bit in Hebrews 11. We usually stop before this bit. They were too good for this world. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Let me read that again. This is why we don't read this passage a bit. okay? Because none of you are feeling good right now. About being tortured and punished and whipped and sawn in half. We do it after the service about half past twelve usually every week. For the naughty ones... We don't go there, it's okay. Anyway, they were too good for this world. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. 
Therefore, says the writer, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the faith, let us strip off sin and other things that slow us down and let us run with perseverance the race God has set before us. How about we pray? Let's close our eyes. Father God, we thank you that you want to speak to us. And sometimes you speak to us, Lord, in a, in a loud, cheery voice. And sometimes you speak to us through nuances of, of Scripture and the Bible that we've, we've not been used to seeing before. But this morning, Lord, we thank you that you smile upon us. You laugh on us because you have great joy over us being here together with you. And we pray that you will help us understand more of what it means to have an essence that, that isn't just an essence of new life, but it's an essence of you. So, Lord, this morning, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, I like movies that make me cry. Just being candid and honest with you. I like a good cry. Apparently it's good for the soul. It sort of unbottles things. But I particularly like movies that are both inspiring, but during which you can have a good cry. They used to, we used to have a youth pastor and a worship leader called Andrew Wooldridge. Anyone remember him? Good, most of you. And uh, we hardly keep in touch anymore, but when we do keep in touch, it's to pass on the names of movies we've watched the previous day that have made us cry. Because he also likes a good cry during movies. And we've just passed one on called Coda. It's called Child of Deaf Adults. Anyone seen that? Anyone like a good cry? You need to watch Coda. It's just me in this church. Okay, that's fine. So uh, we pass on movies that, that make us cry. I I cry so easily over things like that. I cry on certain adverts. I think Sarah's maybe told this story before, but now and again, a charity will pay to have an advert in prime time. And the one that gets me every time is like mistreating Spanish donkeys, right? Have you ever seen that thing just pop up? Have you ever seen, you know, when you're, just, you're watching a movie, a TV series, and an advert will come on, please support these donkeys that are now in a sanctuary, rescued from being mistreated in this city in Spain. And there's a little picture of a donkey comes on. And, oh, I know. And I just, I just cry, and Sarah laughs at me. She, I mean, my wife, I mean, she's throwing an LK this one. Oh, she's cold and hard and heartless, my wife. I'll tell you. Me, I'm just, I'm a soft pudding inside, and I, and I see this donkey, and it just moves me. I sort of turn into the Oscar Schindler of donkeys. I say, oh, let me sell my ring. Give me two donkeys. Let me, darling, let me sponsor five donkeys. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just wired that way. But nothing quite moves you, does it, like a good Disney film. And Disney's have been, they've been specialists at sort of making people cry whilst inspiring people at the same time. For years and years and years, when you wish. If I'd want you to join in, I would have said it was going to be a solo, okay? No, it wasn't. <laughs> join in. Here we go. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Sopranos. Anything your heart desires will come to you. What a load of claptrap. 
I mean, it is, isn't it? Let's face it. It is, isn't it? I mean, I know you love singing it, but anything your heart desires will come to you if you wish upon a star. What a load of rubbish. But it's Disney, and we all watch it, and we join in our little Pinocchio, little mini cricket, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's lovely, it's lovely. You know, that. I don't know. You know, we, we sort of get into it. We get sucked into the Disney world. Did you know? Did you know? Here we go. Highly attractive people are smarter, more socially adept, and superior to the rest of us. Did you know that? It's true. Did you also know that... Uh, I have a, a picture of some highly attractive uh, people here coming up on the screen. There we go. There's highly attractive people. Um, did you also know that good-looking people do good and ugly people do bad? And I use the word ugly rather than bad-looking because that's the word that uh, Disney uses. Okay. Good-looking people do good things and ugly people do bad things. Did you know that some people in a university in the States have done a study of Disney and their 21 full-length feature films, and they have found out that those two things are the truth according to Disney? Right? They've also found this, that doing good always leads to good results, and doing bad always leads to bad consequences. That's what they've found by studying in depth at PhD level, nonetheless, 110,000 words, studying the truth according to Disney, they found those three things. Disney fairy tales. You see, what Disney do is they, uh, they give us feel-good stuff, but they allow us a bit of escapism, right? I mean, they do. It's feel-good, but it's escapist. If you wish upon a star, you'll get something. If you, if you whistle, good things will come. If you shout Jiminy Cricket, if, you, if you've been kissed, you'll wake up to a whole new world. And according to Disney, it's, it's alright to go up to a stranger when they're asleep and give him a kiss. <laughs> Never met him before in your life. But boy, they're good looking. Uh, that's not me. Don't do that. That's Disney. That's the truth, according to Disney, right? It's a fairy tale. It's escapist. And um, here's one of the things that can go wrong with church. Is that inside, in our subconscious, in the back of our minds, we can treat church as a bit of escapism as a little bit of a feel-good thing on a Sunday morning. It's not real life. It's something different than real life. We, we come to church. We're part of a church because it isn't real life. And so it seems escapist. In fact, some churches, I'll say this out loud, some churches are geared to escapism and geared to feel good. And no wonder people feel like they're stepping out from the real world. You see, it's a temptation for all churches, even this one, to give people an experience that is not real world. Let me say that again. It's a temptation for all churches, including this one, 
to give people an experience that is not real world. And I feel that temptation. And who knows, in the past, maybe we've trod into that area and done that. And we've done that wrongly because that's not what we're supposed to do as church. You know, the kind of thing where style takes more important than substance, right? Where, where you talk about the gifts of God more than the giver, God himself. Where we talk about having faith and determination for miracles rather than getting on and running with the mundane. Where we treat Jesus as a supplier rather than as our saviour. And goodness knows we need saving every day from stuff. Where we tell people they can change the world, but they can't even change the toilet roll, right? (laughs) I'm looking at you, sir. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by escapism? And we have to be careful, don't we, in, in how we treat this thing together. That we're not coming to something that is different than what is out there. But it's almost like a counterculture. We are in the world, but not of it, the Bible says mysteriously, whatever that means. I uh, heard a story once of a traveling evangelist, a man full of faith. And uh, he rang home from where he was one day and spoke to his wife he said how's mum and the wife and the wife the wife said this is the wife this is him because I'm not doing voices this morning I, I, I often do do voices but not this morning and the wife said uh, your mum's your got a cold and the evangelist full of faith he says uh, he says don't say that Danny you should know you've lived with me for long enough she hasn't got a cold she's healed in the name of Jesus just say she's got the symptoms of a cold it's not a cold Have faith. She has not got a cold. She's got the symptoms of a cold. Okay, darling, I'll remember. And then they went on, did some small talk. Next week, he rang home. How's mum? Oh, it's gone to a a chest. She's got a chest infection. Darling, you know by now. Where's your faith? Come on, you're a believer in Jesus. You need to speak words of faith. She has not got a chest infection. She's just got the symptoms of a chest infection. What's she got? She's just got the symptoms of a chest infection, darling. It's not really a chest infection. That's, that's, there we go. <laughs> that, that's better. That sounds like faith. Now we're getting there. Now we're getting there. Brings home a couple of weeks later. Hey, darling, how's mum? And the wife, she's learned a lesson with a smile on her face. She says, darling, your mum's got all the symptoms of being buried last week. You see, it's not, it's not real life, is it? It's not real life. Here's the truth. Here's the truth about new life. I hope we offer true hope within a gritty reality. I hope there is something about the essence of new life where what we offer is true hope through Jesus Christ within a very gritty reality. 
that reality that you live in, that I live in, when sometimes our heads get messed up, when sometimes we don't feel like we think church people ought to feel, where we bump into people who are anything but nice and put together, where the world that we walk into seems messed up, And we think it should be different because we've lived in that part of the world long enough. When you've had a job for 20, 30 years out there and and you're trying to do your best to shine for Jesus and no one is finding Jesus. That's gritty reality. Where you pray and you pray and you pray for this situation to be resolved and nothing seems to happen. And you've heard the preachers and you've, you've listened to the podcast and you've watched the, the TV and they say, just, oh, just press in, have more faith. Or some people even say, yeah, send us some money and we'll pray for you because we're famous and then your prayers will be answered. And you do it because you're desperate and still nothing happens. That's gritty reality. And we have a true hope within a gritty reality. Reality. Now, of course, I hope we do the other stuff. We've got lights, for goodness sake. We've got dim, you know, dimming features. We've got musicians. We've got PA. We've got projects. I hope you have a warm welcome when you come in. We had new seats. In, we, we try and do all that stuff. But as a pastor, I would love to think that what we invite people to is a man called Jesus and not lights. Or an experience. I heard a phrase this week. It says, what you win people with is often what you've won people to. Let me say that again. What you win people with is often what you win people to. I wonder if all this was to disappear and all that was left was talking and sharing about Jesus. How many people would be here? As a church, I want something about our essence that sees everything else we have, everything else we have, as a blessing and a grace from God. But the core, our, our smell, is Jesus, that true hope within a gritty reality. Wouldn't that be fantastic? To know that that's running through us like a golden thread. We do all that other stuff, but we do it in a chaotic and confusing world. New life is not a fairy tale. And sometimes, you know, it's good when you read the Bible to not stop at the end of the nice bits. Right? We read Hebrews 11, and it starts this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the essence of things unseen. And then it lists heroes of the faith, people who built big boats, people who stood in front of a sea and lifted their staff and the sea pad. And it lists all those, and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes to the bit we read. And it says this, here are some other heroes of the faith. They were tortured and beaten and mistreated and talked about. They were stoned and whipped and they were sawn in half. And all those are heroes of the faith. And they pressed on and endured and persevered, waiting for the hope, 
the true hope that was before them. We don't like to read those things, do we? But it's there. And that tells us something about that, those early church followers, that right at their core, the stuff was never as important as the one who graced them with the stuff. And I guess in a sense, I would call all of us, including myself, to more of that kind of thinking and believing and belonging. You know, right at the end of the book and the end of the Bible, it's, it talks about um, this little phrase. It says this, and there will be no more sea. It's like God doesn't like beach holidays or something. Have you, ever th- have you ever read that? You've probably never read that in Revelation. It's as clear as day. It talks about all the beauties that are going to happen in a new earth that God is going to create where those of us who, who follow him and love him are, are welcome to be on. And it says, and there will be no more sea. I like my beach holidays, right? I've talked to some of you. you I mean, that's where Sam, our worship leader, is off right now. He's in Mallorca on a beach holiday. Right? Anyone like being by the sea? Did you know that at the end of the book, it says, and there will be no more sea? Did you know that? Yeah, it makes you think twice, doesn't it? No, you see, what it's talking about is this. What it's talking about is this. The, the sea that it's talking about is, is symbolic of chaos. Chaos. Whenever you read about sea in the Bible, on most of the occasions, it's talking about chaos. Even right at the beginning in creation, God creates wonderful things out of chaos. And right at the end, the mirror image, and there will be no more chaos or confusion. That's fantastic. No death, no sorrow, none of the stuff that we have to deal with right now. That is true hope. And Jesus, God, entered into that chaos and that mess and that confusion. He came in 2,000 years ago. And he, as a baby, he came into the chaos. And as soon as he opened his eyes and gave his first cry, all the chaos and confusion and death and destruction disappeared, didn't it? No. No. What did he do? He walked through it. He walked through it, suffered more than you'd suffered, suffered more than I'd suffered, lived with it every day. Sometimes we think Jesus floated around three inches off the ground on some kind of cloud. Jesus probably stubbed his toe on many occasions, needed to go to the toilet, probably got spat at along his normal journey. And that last week of his life suffered more than any more of us had suffered. He lived in the chaos. He entered into it today. He entered into it then and still does today. Your chaos, your gritty reality where you just wish God would intervene and change everything. You just wish it. You pray. You you hope he would, but nothing seems to be happening. There are other things happening, and there are other answers to prayer. And but this thing that just—it's got you. Nothing seems to be happening. We're about twenty years, almost to the day, from planes that crashed into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. 
And many people are asking, because I've spoken to them. Why did God let that happen? Here's the best answer. I have no idea. No idea. Painful, gritty, chaotic, confusing reality. And you are here in it, walking through it. And Jesus says, I will enter into that chaos and confusion and walk it with you. And one day, one day, when the timing is right, God speaks and the Bible says, Behold, I will make everything new. We have a true hope within a gritty reality. I don't want to be the pastor of a church that invites people to an experience in case that experience has to go. And all that's left is Jesus. Is that enough for me? Is that enough for you? The essence of new life. That passage we read talks about something very different from escapism, very different from fairy tale land. It talks about endurance and perseverance. It's a different kind of faith, isn't it? You know, you hear your stories of faith, and if you were to buy a book on faith or listen to a podcast on faith, you're more likely to hear stories of people who believed for something way out of their grasp, something spectacular, and they prayed hard enough, and they believed specifically, I want a red Harley Davidson. Lord, I want a red Harley Davidson. And their faith reached out of their chest, and they grabbed this red Harley Davidson and before you know it someone in the church had donated them a red Harley Davidson they go God is good and the church went all that time (laughs) well that may be faith but I don't read about it there I don't read about it there A woman and her husband believe for a child. They try for a child for 10 years. Try everything. Finally, after 10 years, a seeming miracle happens and she falls pregnant. She carries a child full term. She's there in the birthing room and the child arrives, but it's a stillborn. And they place the child in her arms. She holds it close. Tears down her eyes. She says, God, I have no idea why you would let this happen. But I still trust you. Now that is faith. And that's what the Bible calls us to. You know, calling a meeting and believing for us to pray for a, you know, a five million pound complex with all this. That, that may well be a kind of faith if it comes through. But it's not the heroic kind of faith. The heroic kind of faith is, is you with the illness you are carrying. 
knowing you're following God, praying for it, and it's still there, it's still there, it's still there, it's sticking with you. And yet in your tears and in your anguish, you lift your eyes to God and you say, Father, I have no idea why, but I still trust you. That is faith. And what an essence of a church it would be we were a church of faith and not fairy tale where if all a Sunday morning consisted of was someone coming here a single person and opening up the gospels and reading the stories of Jesus and 200 people still turned up everything else is a blessing May this church, may one of our essences be that we have a true hope within a gritty reality. Shall we stand together? I'm going to pray for us all and pray about our church but then I'm just going to leave a bit of time with the music playing in the background for you to consider your own heart and your own attitude it does us good you know to examine our hearts just to pause recenter think again, to give opportunity for, our, for us to come to our senses and realize what it's all about. Father, we are sorry for sometimes what we make this faith journey with you. We're sorry, Lord, that sometimes we make it about the stuff, the things. We make it about the gifts you give and we make it about those extra things that we enjoy because we are following you. But Lord, help us to have an incredible enjoyment just in you. Help us be a people who are fully satisfied just in you. Help us never need church to be like a fairy tale where for a while for an hour and a half we are taken outside of real life into some kind of life where the language is different and only good things are explained and then the shock of reality hits again when we leave lord we don't want that we want a true hope within our gritty reality Cause us to be people, Lord, who when we engage with those around us, we don't offer them things that are false. We don't offer them things that are peripheral. We don't try and win them with things that don't matter, but we talk, deal, pray, offer you 
Let it be an essence of this church and let it be an essence of the individuals within it. And we pray, Lord, for that kind of faith that is not the stardust kind of faith, not the spangly kind of faith, but one of endurance and perseverance and pressing on whether we accomplish great and mighty things in you or whether we never see the thing that we've hoped for. Give us that kind of faith, Lord. Thank you for loving us, embracing us. Thank you for winning us and keeping us. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for never letting go of us. Help us in our hearts even today to make a decision that we too will never let go of you. Now just where you are right now, just pray. Don't pray for the church, pray for yourself. Lord, give me an essence that is of real faith within my gritty world. Lord, I don't need a fairy tale. I don't need trickery or fakery. I don't need lights. I don't need a tingle down my spine. I just need to walk in trust with you. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.